Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Today, I'm happy to introduce you to Larry Levine, a best-selling author of Selling from the Heart. He talks about gaining trust with customers and employees, which is the key to growing a company and thriving in life. While his focus is on people in sales jobs, the truth is everyone is selling and influencing others in some way. By listening and applying to what Larry says, you'll have a new mindset and heart set to succeed in whatever you put your mind to. I love this episode because I believe in humanizing business and leading with a heart, and he tells you exactly how to do that. If you like this episode, and I really believe you will, please tell your friends, share it with others, and leave me a review. It would mean so much. Now let's get on with the show. Hello, Larry Levine. Welcome to the Doing CX Right Show. What is going on, Stacy? So good to see you. You too. And there's a lot going on because you and I share in common the love for doing business with a heart. So with that said, tell everyone, who are you? What do you do professionally? Wow. Hey, where do, where shall I start? Do I go once upon a time or where, where, where do we dive into this at? <laughs> yeah, you, well, now you know how this is going to go. <laughs> yes, clearly. Well, you know what? Since this part is very short, because we're going to get into the meat of how you actually do business with a heart. So what in a few sentences is your bio? I took... Uh, so... I took 28, almost 30 years in office technology sales, and I compressed that all together in the latter part of my career to go out on my own. I always say I was forced into entrepreneurship. That'll be a whole nother story. I'm sure it'll come out in our time together. But I bring heart and authenticity and relationship building to the forefront. I smash sincerity and integrity, and I bring this all together in a world where sales are not the most trustworthy people out there. So I bring authenticity to the forefront and I wear my heart on my sleeve. I coach sales teams and sales leaders on how to grow themselves, grow their relationships, and use all this to help them grow revenue. Beautifully said. Now, what's your why? Why do you care so much? Why are you doing this? I'm a sales geek at heart. I've lo- I love everything about sales. And I do this because sales has been so good to me. And in, I just really want to raise the profession to the level that it needs to be because sales is a noble profession. I care about it. I care everything about sales. I grew up in the sales world. It helped me raise my family and my kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm all heart when it comes to bringing this to the forefront. Well, I will also say that, yes, sales is a big part of what you do, but don't discount the difference you're making in creating more trust and the authenticity in the world. That's huge. You you know, trust is at the core of this, Stacey, because I'm just a big information geek. I just love reading everything I can just consume around trust. And it's been interesting if, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the site Edelman, E-D-E-L-M-A-N, 
they did a they did a survey. They do it every year, and they come out with the trust barometer. And what's what's sad is, <sighs> without trust, deals slow down. Without trust, relationships don't flourish. And in in sales, to me, trust is everything. It's about bringing trust and transparency and authenticity to the forefront. And I'm just a, I'm just a big believer. We live in this post trust sales world. And I think even, I think post-trust was, a, I think that was the word of the year, maybe two or three years ago. And I, I just want everyone to think about without trust, what happens? Deals slow down, relationships crumble. We need to bring trust to the forefront. And I'm all about bringing sincerity, authenticity, integrity to help build what I call the trust gap and help build the relational gap that I believe exists between organizations and their customers. Now, this question may seem so basic, but people have different definitions of different words and meaning. Uh-huh. Well, Absolutely. Let's talk, about, let's talk about trust. What does that really mean? <laughs> to me, trust is... Uh, I'm going to give you... Can I give you my equation on trust? Absolutely. This, this is... To me, it's... Um, I'm just a... I geek out on stuff like this, but I'll, I'm going to give you the 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 act, the initials, and then we're going to come back to it. I believe trust is built based on AR plus MV times DH. So here, here here are the words. AR is authentic relationships. We must build authentic relationships. We must add in meaningful value. And we must multiply that by disciplined habits. And if we can bring those three things to the forefront, you will start building trust like none other. Mm. That was more, that was better than I expected. I got to tell you, <laughs> <laughs> that was really powerful and should be written up in the dictionary because that is a really good explanation. So, what does all of this have to do with growing revenue? It has a lot to grow in revenue, and I'll share with you why. And this just comes from years of experience and observation in the sales channel that I came out of. Is we talk about, um, I'm, I'm going to share with it in a different way, and I'm going to tie this all together. I remember we had a recent guest on our podcast, on the Selling from the Heart podcast. And this person had studied under Stephen Covey and Bob Proctor and Tony Robbins. And this person went on to say that. Um, and this is their stats. So I'm just, I'm just repeating their stats. I can't verify, but this is what they said. They said that when it comes to coaching and working with sales teams to help them grow revenue, 95% of what we must be doing has to evolve around mindset and 5% around skill set. But yet 95% of everything that we do revolves around skill set, 5% mindset. So where am I going with all of this? If you want to grow revenue, we have to first do a couple things. I'm a firm believer it's three things. We have to grow our heart set, we have to grow our mindset, and we have to grow our skill set. And when we focus on just one of those and we don't address the other two, we can't maximize everything and everything that we do. And I'm a sales geek at heart, Stacey. I believe everything, a vast majority of what we do with salespeople and sales teams and organizations is around skill set. But we're missing the heart set and we're missing the mindset. Why is this so important? To me, the fastest way to grow revenue is get better acquainted with your clients. 
build deep, mm. meaningful relationships, communities, and networks inside your client base. And, and here's mm-hmm. what's interesting. I know of I know of three ways off the top of my head to grow revenue. Increase your prices. Go out and grab new business. Sell more to your current clients. Or go acquire somebody. That's the fourth one. If we keep it really simple. So if we just look at, to me, the easiest way to grow revenue, go right back to your most precious asset, which is your current clients. Mm. And build better relationships and build better networks inside your client base to help you protect your accounts, cross-sell, and open up new opportunities. Now, much of what you're talking about also has to do with your employees. They're the ones that deliver that experience. So what is your leadership advice to people listening? I I was, I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep this one really simple, Stacey. And it's all around selling from the heart. If leaders want their teams and their employees to sell from the heart and conduct business from the heart, they must lead from the heart. How's that? And, and if they can't, if they struggle to bring in that deep caring and connecting and helping their employees grow, I promise you this, that translates right out into the marketplace and how they take care or not take care of their customers. Mm, I agree with you, but sometimes it's harder to do it because there's so much pressure on the quotas, on the numbers. So what is your advice to people who are either instituting those metrics or, uh, yeah, let's start there. I mean, how do you, how do you balance? It, it's, it's interesting. I might, not get, I might not give you the response that you want, but I'm a pretty direct guy is when we as leaders, and so I'll give you a quick backstory on this. I was in an organization for 20 years, same organization. I was a first employee and then I worked my way um, into ownership and bought my way into the company and I had business partners and things like this. This was the things that we disagreed upon all the time is how to view your employees. And when you view employees through revenue generating glasses and you look at them as numbers, they soon catch on to this. People Mm. are people, people are humans, and we got to start looking at people as they're humans and not revenue generating means to an end. And what's what brought this full circle is I'm a huge book reader and I read the book Leadership and Self Deception. And for those in leadership, I'd highly suggest reading it. Here's why, is when we have conversations with people and we look at them as means to an end, people smell it really quick. I call it a sixth sense. When we start treating people with love, care, and respect, and we create that culture to grow, you actually will grow more revenue. But when we benchmark employees against standards, and, and again, please don't, I, I want your listeners, don't take this the wrong way. But when we start benchmarking them against key performance indicators and we look at them as numbers, everyone starts to sense it. I think it stunts growth. Hmm. You used a word that is part of my everyday language, but for some reason, in a work environment, it's a weird word. And that is love. Oh boy. I yeah. <laughs> I love 
the people I work with. I love my team. And it's funny. It sounds weird to say love in a workplace. What's your view on that? I'm first of all, I'm right there with you because I I use the word all the time. Every single one of my clients, I will tell them I love them. I have no problem with it. I'm a highly emotional guy. I've I've always worn that on my sleeve, even when I was working with my clients, you know, when I was in the sales channel that I grew up in. But here's what's interesting, and and that's that's everybody keying on this for a moment, because here's where I think people, it's a mindset thing more than anything else. Here's how I know this. If you can bring love, care, respect, appreciation in your personal life, what prevents you from doing it in your professional life? And I learned a long time ago, and I don't have a psychology degree or doctoral in any of this stuff, but the minute that I removed the barrier between personal and professional, and I brought care, sincerity, love, and respect to my clients, and I shared that with them, it took the relationships to another level. It opened up more opportunities to connect, and it took conversations in different directions than if I had those walls up. And why I say this is this, we've all heard this saying before. Now, this is more sales-centric, but I think everyone's gonna get the picture when I say this is we've all been on the losing end of opportunities. Everybody has. Spend any amount of time in sales, you're probably going to lose more than you win. And we've always been let down with this phrase. I'm going to use you, Stacy, as an example since we're on this podcast together. We, we've all heard this, you know, Stacy. Um, I appreciate all the work that you've done. However, We've chosen to do business with, right? Fill in the blank with the other company, or we've, ch- we've chosen to take our business elsewhere, or we narrowed it down to two. And sorry, you weren't the chosen one, but please don't take this personal. It's only a business decision. Well, I'm here to tell everyone business is personal. The more personal you make it, the more comfortable you make somebody feel, the more that you show love, care, and respect. Great things happen. The minute you take that away, you've kept everything at a surface level and all you have is a surface level relationship. Mm. And breaking up is hard to do and it's hard to receive. <laughs> no, it is. I, I remember I would, I, would, I would literally, I would literally tell people that if you chose to go elsewhere, it would probably be the worst divorce that's ever happened, but in a funny, loving way. But it's just to prove the point is, I wasn't the smartest person out there. However, no one was gonna outcare me. And that's what I brought to the, that's what I brought to the work environment. That's what I brought to sales. That's what I bring to selling from the heart. Now, I treat every single one of my clients as if, as if they're the only client I have. Mm, I like that. Now, I want to talk about selling, which is the theme of your book. But what's important is that people understand you don't have to be in a sales job to be applying what we're talking about. Because every day, no matter what role you have, you're promoting selling or promoting, I like to say, your ideas your thoughts, your position on something. So how does this apply, Larry, to non-selling, but yet, I should say non-selling jobs, but yet applies to everyone? 
Yeah, I, I think um, first of all, I just have to, I just got it. I just have to say this: everybody's in sales. Sales is about influence and helping people achieve things and become better at what they do. So we're we're all influencing people along the way. It may not just be in a sales capacity. But I, I think the core foundation of what I bring through the book applies to anybody because the first part of this is about working on yourself. And if there's anything that we all can agree upon, we can all become better at what we do, fill in the blank with whatever career you, you're in. It's about learning how to self-reflect and become self-aware and learn what self-care and self-love is all about. And I bring this to the forefront because, and again, this is a little sales-centric, but for all the decades I spent in sales, there wasn't anyone, a manager or a leader that ever said, hey, guess what? Over the next 90 days, we're going to go on a journey to become better versions of ourselves. And I'm bringing this to the forefront. It just happens to be selling from the heart, but it applies to anyone. The first half of the book is all about becoming a better version of yourself. And it's through doing the inner work. And I'm a big believer that it's just not skill set. I, I mentioned it on the podcast a little bit ago. It's about mindset and heart set. And it's about taking that time every morning to start it off in the right way. And I'm a big believer, regardless of what career you're in, the first hour of every morning and how you start it determines what happens the rest of the day. I call the first mm -hmm. hour the rudder. It's the rudder for everything that happens throughout the day. And if you start it in a chaotic way where you wake up and you hit the alarm or you hit your phone a couple of times, you get up, you hop in the shower, grab a banana, grab a cup of coffee or a muffin, and that's how you start your day, you're in for some chaos. But if we can start our day and reflect and do the inner work, I promise you this, the outer success you have in your career will magnify tenfold. That is very powerful. And it's interesting how we've blended psychology to customer experience uh, and selling. And it's, but it's true. Like you said, mindset, it affects everything. Yeah, it does. And you know, it's, I, I remember I was probably a third of the way into writing Selling from the Heart. And somebody had asked me to connect on LinkedIn. And I still save the whole thread in it because it motivates me still to this day. And this person had asked me to connect and they go, it, it's still, it's so fresh. And it's happened like three years ago, three and a half years ago. They said, what's the case studies and what's the science behind selling from the heart? And I, I go, I thought this was kind of odd. The why would somebody ask me all of this? And I'm keeping it short because this is a big lengthy message. But I replied back to this person. I said, listen, I don't have a PhD in psychology. I don't have a master's in human behavior or anything like that. I have a PhD from getting the you-know-what kicked out of me my whole life in sales. I'm applying what I've learned in a way that worked for me. And I, and I'm, I talk about the things that people talk about, but they keep it inside. I'm bringing this out into the open and I call it maybe applied authenticity or applied selling from the heart in a very practical, non-collegiate manner because I experienced it and I saw what happened. So, mm. you know, a, a lot of this, we don't need to have, there's so many great people out there that talk about authenticity and talk about all this at very high levels. I just bring it to the forefront so people can understand it and apply it. So what's your advice to people? Again, we're all salespeople. We're all promoters of ideas and thoughts. Communication 
is probably the number one reason why customers leave, why customers are unhappy, and also employees become, I want to say, disloyal and leave as well. What's your view on communication and and all of, of winning over people's hearts? I would say this. First of all, never, ever, ever break a promise to a customer or to an employee. First and foremost, I think that's the first thing where communication breaks down is that. I, and then the other thing about communication is I'm a big believer words matter and message matters and how you communicate with somebody. And when we fail to do that, I, 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 and I've learned this the hard way over the years, is the way we deliver the message and the way people interpret the message are two different things. And it comes down to tonality and are you leaning in and so forth. And let's just fast forward to communication today. Communication can happen in many different ways. It could be how we're on this podcast right now. It could be on whatever virtual platform you want it to be. It could be in email. It could be in phone. It could be in text. And all these messages can be misconstrued in many different ways. That's why I'm a big believer is we have to, in our communication, we have to pay attention to the words we use, the message we use. And if it's in forums like this, the tonality, the excitement in all of this, that's why I'm a big believer that if all you're doing is email messaging to your employees, that can be misconstrued in so many different ways, right? A capitalized word could be taken in a different manner. So we just got to be cognizant of all of this. Yes, which leads me to my next question and point is we are working with millennials, Gen Z, and you have very tenured sales reps and you have new new people. How the heck do we all work together? Because communication, I know the younger generation doesn't really look at email. They're texting, they're snapping, <laughs> Snapchatting, and So how do we all work together? And what is your advice for those people who are getting into business? Oh, wow. This We can go off on this one for a while. But um, I'm of the other side of the spectrum. So I'm the the tail end of the boomers. So we didn't, I didn't grow up with a lot of this technology, whereas today everyone's growing up with technology. But here's what's interesting. and, and, And I think this plays out regardless of the generation is we got to leverage technology to help us communicate, but we can't hide behind the technology to communicate. And I remember this goes back, oh, I'm going to say about a year, year and a half or so ago, we had a guest that came on our podcast. And this is going to play out. I'm going to drop something. And, and some people may not agree with me, but it's just follow along with me. This person said, I believe salespeople today have become conversationally incompetent. Conversationally incompetent. Here's why I say this when I, and I'm not saying it's all about the older generation versus the younger generation. Here's where I'm going with this. When I grew up in the times that I grew up in, there was only a few ways to build relationships, change the way people think and communicate. It was face-to-face and the phone. That was it. Now, over time, obviously, now we're in this technology-crazed world and everyone lives through technology, so there's many different ways to communicate. Here's, here's where I'm going with this. When we, when we hide behind these things, 
these phones and we hide behind everything and we text, which happens to be the number one form of communication worldwide, it loses its meaning. And then we forget to have these conversations like you and I are having. So I think if we blend in the best of the more mature people that are out there with the best of the younger generation, we all can learn from each other. That's my opinion. I'm smiling because you're right. We could talk about this topic for hours. But but just even the mere sense of texting. So my kids will say to me, if they ask me a question and I write back K, just the letter K, they say, what's wrong? I said, what do you mean, what's wrong? They said, well, KK, two Ks mean everything's okay and it's okay or write okay. But if you just write K, it's not okay. And I'm like, oh my God, this is very hard to keep track. (laughs) So yeah, we have to learn how to communicate in each other's style to be able to get our message across, but it's getting harder. Yeah, you know, I I I love that. I I mean, one of the, one of the things that I will ask people: What's the best form of communication? What's the platform you prefer to communicate on the most? Where's your comfort level with it? If it's texting, guess what? I'm texting. If it's phone, I'm using the phone. If it's email, I'm using email. The, I mean, to me, there's no excuse anymore. We have to adapt our communication style. We have to learn how to use all these platforms. But we also mm. have to take a step back and we got to learn what are the ways that people communicate? What's their preference and communicate that way? Which is marketing 101, clearly. You would think so. But you would think so. It, <laughs> it is. But it's just gotten more complicated because there's more channels to reach each other on. Yep. And um, I always, (laughs) I said this to the other day to a friend of mine. I said, we have technology stacked people to death. We're all about tech stacking. I said, it's about time we start human stacking people. Think about that for a second. If I just replace, and and you all know what I mean by tech stacking. I mean, we'll find the latest piece of technology to scale something. That's, I mean, that's so funny when they said, well, how are you going to scale this? Well, that's interesting. It's like, how can we leverage technology to move something as fast as possible? It's okay, right? But we forget that behind all this technology are human beings sometimes. Yes. So why don't we have, why don't we help humans, right? Salespeople, employees, leverage the power of technology to rehumanize what they do instead of Mm. dehumanize what they do. We've taken the human out of a lot of things where we've placed it with technology. We have. And at the end of the day, people buy from people. So let's use technology to take away the mundane, inefficient work, but still bring the people to the conversation and build those relationships and trust as you talked about. Oh yeah, and, and I'll, I'll throw one in there around heart. Technology doesn't have a heartbeat. I don't care if it, what no. anyone wants to say, technology doesn't have a heartbeat. Yes, I'm writing that one down. That is so <laughs> true. Just, that is a very good quote. So, so but, but think about it. Technology doesn't have a heartbeat, but yet the people who invent the technology, who operate the technology have a heartbeat. We've taken the heart out of everything. 
Yeah, just think about that. I encourage everyone, don't let that sentence go by because that is really what this whole thing is about and customer experience is all about. So, which leads me to my last two questions. Uh One is, I ask this of everyone because I think it's really powerful. If I had tons of CEOs and leaders and decision makers in my room right now, what is the one thing one takeaway you want them to know. Build rock solid relationships with your employees. Build deep, meaningful relationships with your clients. And don't ever, ever, ever break a promise. Mm. That's, I mean, it, it, to me, it's that simple. But yet, I always say it's not rocket science. But yet, um, I, I say it in the way that I do because... We know what's right. We know what we should be doing, but yet we just get caught up in the minutia of things. Mm -hmm. Take care of your employees. Lead from the heart. They will take care of your customers. I think we all have to go back to kindergarten. Uh, you know, so so it's so it's interesting. Can I, can I share a quick story? It'll all kind of tie this together, and and why I said yeah. what I said. So um, I'll be. I'm going on 30 years being married. I'll be I'll be married 30 years next year. And I remember when I was dating my wife. I just I got to say my wife. I can't say when I was dating my girlfriend at the time, but when I was dating my wife at the time. And her parents are from the south, right? Mississippi, Oklahoma. And I remember they knew that the question was going to happen. They knew that we were getting close and and they knew at some point I was going to ask their daughter to marry me. And I remember we were all sitting around at the dinner table. And I'm not going to do a Southern accent, but my mother-in-law still to this day calls me boy, B-O-Y. And she says, boy, like that. But that's as far as a Southern accent I'm going to do because I don't want to embarrass myself. And she says, boy, she goes, I'm going to share with you some life lessons that was passed on from my mom to my brothers and sisters. I'm going to pass it on to you because I know it's getting serious and, and so forth with our daughter. She said this, and I carried this through in how I carried myself in sales and how I built relationships with my customers. She said this, if you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. And I say this because she says, don't ever half-ass anything you do. So for all Mm -hmm. your listeners out there, if you can't do the simple things right, like take care of your employees and take care of your customers, You'll never be able to do the more complicated things that's required of your people and your customers. But just don't ever half-ass any of that because it'll come back and haunt you. Great advice, wonderful wisdom, which leads me to the final question you can answer personally or professionally. Uh And that is, if you, based on what you know today, if you could go back to your younger self, 20-year-old Larry, what would you tell him? that you know now that he didn't know then? Uh, Oh, but this one's easy. I would tell myself, go find a business coach and a mentor immediately. I didn't didn't find my first business coach and mentor until I was 40 years old. I I went stumbling along in my career from my early 20s to 40. It was about 39 when I started to kind of bridge the thought because I was stuck. And I just, I just didn't like being stuck and I held myself to a higher degree of standards than most. 
So I would tell my younger self, go find a business coach and go surround yourself with mentors. And I call it build a really tight personal board of directors. And if you can do that early on in your career, I promise you this, by the time you get to your 40s and 50s, it will have come back and helped you tenfold. I love that. And I also encourage people, be a mentor. You don't have to wait for any kind of formal program. We all can be mentors to others too. I, I'm, I'm a huge believer in it. You know, I have several coaches and I have several mentors right now, even at, at where I'm at now. And I mentor people along the way. I just, I just brought somebody else on who's just, we're just having a conversation. They go, I'm, a, I'm the big believer. If you ask not, you get not. So the person asked and I said, sure. We, and we just set up a routine monthly call. I said, I will commit to you if you commit to me. Mm. And it's just, it's just that simple. You don't, have, you don't have to have a formal education or any you know, doctoral acronyms behind you to do this. It's just, if you pour yourself into people, it will come back. Absolutely. Well, we've reached the end. Larry, you're amazing. Where can people find you? Which I'll add in the show notes. Oh, wow. They can, um, they can find me all over social. You can find me on LinkedIn at Larry Levine 1992. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can find anything you want around the movement that we're creating at Selling from the Heart at sellingfromtheheart.net. And if you want to grab a copy of the book, you can just go to sellingfromtheheart.net forward slash book. And I'd be more than happy to sign a copy of Selling from the Heart and send it to you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm a big fan and keep being awesome. No, thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you will apply the lessons shared and also requesting that you'll leave a review on Apple. It would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman. Thanks again.